Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and it's my pleasure to talk with you each week about practical issues we face as church leaders and ministry organization leaders. Now, I've been a ministry leader for a number of years, and over the years I've focused on learning to make application of biblical insight and biblical truth into the practical issues that we grapple with in our ministry leadership responsibilities. And so on this program, uh, it's not really a preaching program or so much an in-depth Bible teaching program. I certainly enjoy those, and I actually do those in other parts of my work. But on this program, we talk about the practical side of ministry leadership. And I want to talk today about an issue that uh, is very commonly discussed in corporate settings, but maybe not so much in ministry organizations. And yet I really feel pretty strongly that we need to give more attention to this issue if we're going to have healthy, thriving uh, work culture. So today I want to talk about shaping culture to support vision. Now, vision has been talked about perhaps even too much, not only in corporate settings, but in ministry settings. Vision gets a lot of emphasis. We spend time helping pastors and presidents and executive directors and other senior leaders of churches and organizations to think about vision, where they're going, how they want to get there, uh, laying out broad uh, goals and, and lofty uh, expectations and putting out uh, all kinds of media, uh, print media, visual media, verbal media, all kinds of things to try to help people catch the vision of where we want to go. And that is very important. Vision creation and vision casting is definitely a key role of ministry leaders. But over the years, I've wondered about the disconnect. I see some leaders who are really good at casting vision, but I don't see a corresponding change being made in their organization or a corresponding impact being made through their organization. So while the vision seems clear in its casting, there doesn't seem to be as much effort put into its implementation. Now, why is that? Well, I think at least one reason is because organizational culture trumps vision every time. Now, let me say that again. Organizational culture trumps vision every time, meaning that no matter how clearly you cast your vision, if your organizational culture is not in a corresponding place that it can support that vision, the vision will never be fulfilled. So while you may cast a compelling vision without organizational culture that supports the accomplishment of that vision, it will never be done. <laughs> One well-known leadership writer said, culture eats vision for lunch. Man, that is such a powerful insightful, and kind of a graphic way of trying to say what I'm communicating. Yes, vision matters. It matters that you articulate where you're going, what it will look like when you've arrived, and that you lay out a pathway of goals and checkpoints to get you there. But if there's not a corresponding emphasis on developing a culture of accomplishment, 
a culture committed to fulfilling the mission, a culture of people who have banded together to see this vision into reality, if there isn't a cultural support, the vision will never be accomplished. Culture does eat vision for lunch. So let's talk about what is culture. Well, I read a book recently that talked about these issues and defined culture this way. Culture is a set of living relationships working toward a shared goal. Now, of course, the toward a shared goal part is that vision, mission, that objective that you're trying to move the organization to fulfill. But the first part of the definition is what really rivets me. Culture is a set of living relationships. We often think of culture as sort of an amorphous blob. Well, our company or our church staff or our team has a good culture. Well, what is it that we're talking about when we say that? Well, I think this particular book says it best. Culture is a set of living relationships. Culture is really about relationships. It's about people coming together and working together. It's about people sacrificing for each other and supporting each other. It's about people submitting their agendas to a larger agenda, putting aside their interests for the interests of others and the interests of the organization. That's what constructs, creates, defines culture. Culture is a set of living relationships. Now, living in this context doesn't mean it's a set of relationships by people who are alive. We get that. No, living relationships in this context means culture is ever-changing, ever-morphing, ever-adjusting. People are always changing. New people are being brought into the mix. Uh, uh, New issues are being put on the table. And all of those things cause for people to be alive, if you will, are transformational, if you will, in their relationships with each other. And it's never a static situation. So culture is important. (laughs) Culture eats vision for lunch. You can cast a compelling vision and it will not be accomplished unless you have a organizational or corporate culture to support that vision which you've cast. And that means you have to have a set of living relationships, a set of people in meaningful relationship with each other who are growing and changing and morphing, yes, but who are also staying together in such a way that they're able to fulfill the vision that's been cast. Now, I want to emphasize this connection just a little bit more. Another person said, if you articulate a great vision to an organization without appropriate culture, you will never achieve the vision. But now get the second sentence. If your organization has a wonderful culture, but no vision, then you might really enjoy your time together, (laughs) but you'll never go anywhere. You see, it's not one or the other. It's both and. So if you're a ministry leader, pastor, executive, president, if you're a ministry leader with a responsibility for casting vision, 
you must not only cast vision, but you also must create culture. You must not only cast vision, but you must also facilitate relationships. You must not only cast vision, but you must do some things that create the kind of culture to produce the work together that's needed to accomplish the vision. You know, vision is about one day. It's about what's out there. It's about where we're going. But culture happens every day. It's about today. It's about right now. And so these things must go together. As a leader, you cast vision. You talk about where we're going and how we need to get there. And then you facilitate relationships, building culture around that mission and vision so that people have a sense of going somewhere together. You cast vision about one day, but you focus on building culture every day. Another thing you might say is vision is something that's described, but culture is something that's modeled. Now, what I mean by that is, as a leader, you have the capacity to use words and images to create a vision of where you want your organization or your church to go. And you do that by describing a positive future, or as I like to say it, creating a picture of a preferred future. This is where we're going. This is what our future entails. This is what we'll look like when we achieve what we've set out to fulfill as a part of our mission. That's vision described. But culture is modeled. Culture is the leader's opportunity to set the pace by personal example. It's how you conduct yourself in relationships. It's how you create structures in your organization to value those relationships. It's how you reward people in relationship with one another so that the culture is created along the way the vision is fulfilled. So vision is something a leader describes, but culture is something a leader models. Now, vision tries to align values. In other words, vision says, this is where we're going, and these are some processes we will use to get there. But culture demonstrates those values. Culture puts things into practice. Culture uh, personifies what needs to be done. Culture makes it personal on a relational basis. So here's what we've said so far. Vision, vision is supported by culture. And vision, that's the capacity to dream about the future and what we might become and how we're going to get there. Culture is creating a set of living relationships to facilitate the accomplishment of that vision. And man, you got to have both. If you've got vision, but no culture, you'll have a wonderful description of the future, but no momentum toward achieving it. If you have culture without vision, you'll like coming to work every day. What wonderful people you get to spend life with, but you're not going anywhere. You need both. Now, this show today is not really about casting vision. This show is about shaping culture. So now that we've sort of outlined the importance of both of these aspects of leadership, vision casting, culture creation, let's focus for the rest of the show on how to create culture in the way that I'm describing. I recently read an article in the Harvard Business Review. Now, that may seem like a strange place for input on ministry, on creating culture in ministry organizations. But I really think the people who put this article together, 
understood that culture is something that can be created, not just in corporate contexts, but in really any kind of context where there are living relationships of people who are coming together to accomplish something. So you can create a culture in your local little league. You can create a culture uh, in your church. You can create a culture in your corporate setting, your workplace. You can create a culture in any one of these areas by doing the kinds of things I'm about to describe. Number one, the first step for creating culture is articulate the aspiration of what you hope to become. Now, this is different than vision. I'm not talking about what you hope to become organizationally, but I'm talking now about articulating the vision, the, excuse me, articulating the aspiration of what you hope to become as a culture of people working together. Articulate the aspiration. Now, what this means is that you actually say we're going to get better. We're going to get better at relationships. We're going to change the way we work and relate to one another so that we can create a culture of accomplishment, a culture of success, a culture of involvement, these kinds of things. You know, recently here at our school where I work, Gateway Seminary, we had a task force that worked for about 18 months on describing, defining the future of our school. Now, we've had a long and uh, fruitful ministry, and we want to keep that going, And so because we're a school and we move sort of slowly and we like things to be done rather orderly, and our students especially like that because they don't like to have things change too rapidly with them, we were thinking in terms of maybe another five to ten years of a window. Where are we going and how are we going to get there? Well, we spent some of that time in that task force thinking about the future and what the future would look like. And that would be what you might consider a vision casting process. But I was most intrigued by the work that we did, not developing new vision, but instead articulating the aspiration, if you will, of what needed to change about our working relationships in order to make the fulfillment of our vision more likely and that we could do it even more rapidly. For example, one of the things that came out of our group was that we need to enhance collaboration in our organization. Now, like a lot of other organizations, uh, we don't have a lot of open conflict, but we have a lot of silos. We have this department doing this and this department doing that and this department doing the other. And sometimes getting those departments to talk to one another is very difficult. And one of the things that came out of our study was, listen, if we're going to fulfill this mission, one of the things that would enhance our culture, which is, again, our set of living relationships by which we try to fulfill the vision that we've received, If we're going to really improve our capacity to fulfill that vision, we're going to have to find ways to enhance collaboration. In other words, really work hard at finding ways to support one another and work together with each other on ministry-related projects. We recognize we're not going to be able to hire a person to do every job. We're not going to have enough money to outsource every responsibility. We're going to have to get really creative about coming together around this aspirational value of, of collaboration We're going to have to get really, really serious about coming together around this issue of collaboration so that we can find some ways to really get this work done. Now, that's what I'm talking about when I say articulate the aspiration. We put together a group that said, what do we aspire to be as a workforce? What do we see we need to do internally to 
create better relationships? How can we make our culture even more impactful by the way we share the work that we do with one another? And this value of collaboration emerged rather highly in our studies and in our dialogues, and we actually adopted it finally as an aspirational aspect of how we wanted to get better as a group of people working together. Now, that wasn't our only one, but it was a very important one. You know, another one that really came out of our study together was the word stewardship. Uh, our team said, you know, we, we recognize that all ministries have a limited amount of resources, and we certainly do. And while we're grateful that we're not in any financial problem or any financial crisis, we also know that we have a constant need to get the most out of every dollar, the most out of every, uh, every resource that we have. And so another aspiration that came out of that thing was, uh, out of that study time was our employees saying, you know, we got to find ways to talk to each other about how we can be more efficient and how we can be more frugal and how we can get more bang for the buck, so to speak. We recognize that every one of us is responsible to make sure we spend every dollar wisely. And so those kinds of aspirational conversations promoted a greater sense of cultural relationship among our employees and a desire to do more together. Now, again, get the contrast. We have a clear vision of what our school is trying to become and some specific goals of what we need to accomplish to get there. These articulating the aspiration wasn't about replacing those. It was about saying now, behind the scenes, so to speak, internally, how do we need to change and grow and develop who we are so that we can have the best workforce possible and the best workplace possible to get this vision done? That's what I'm talking about. A second step in evolving your culture or making it more supportive of your vision is to select and develop leaders who align with your culture. Now, a lot of times we spend a focused effort aligning new leaders with our vision, and that's certainly important. I don't think this is an either or, it's a both and. It's important to find leaders who align, who align with your vision. But in the context of that, they also have to align with your culture. In other words, they have to know, we have to know, are they a good fit? Now, one of the ways we do this where I work is that when we're putting People, when we're hiring someone to work on a team, we make sure that the people on that team have some voice in the hiring process. Now, listen carefully, some voice. Supervisors have to make decisions on who gets hired. Teams don't get to make joint decisions on that regard. But there can be joint input. For example, I've recently hired a new vice president here at the seminary. And he's replacing a long-term and very faithful, a very beloved employee who's retiring. When we were working on bringing that new person into the process, I interviewed them extensively about their alignment with our vision. I wanted to know if they could come and lead us to where we need to go. But then, in a, then I wanted to know if they aligned with our culture. How do you determine that? Well, when they came for their interview, I made sure that they had a group interview with everyone who'd be on the leadership team with them. And then I made sure that every one of those individuals on that team got a 45-minute one-on-one time to spend with this prospective candidate. So over that two days of interviewing for this very significant role, we had a lot of opportunity to talk about not can the person fulfill our vision. Yeah, that's really important. But also, is the person a cultural fit? Do we like them? Do we feel at ease around them? Do we feel like they're, that, uh, they're the kind of person we want to work with in the long-term future? Now, I've got a little funny thing I sometimes say about this, and that is a, a person to work on my team needs to pass the desert 
Island test. What I mean by that is, I ask myself this question. If I were marooned on a deserted island for the rest of my life and I could only have one other human being there and it wasn't going to be any of my family and it was you, would I lose my mind, walk out into the ocean and drown myself? Or would I generally be able to find a way to live together and work together? I want the answer to the question to be that last part. So when we're interviewing people and selecting people to help us to fulfill our vision, we also have to select people who align with our culture, that fit with us, that understand who we are and what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it, and can find themselves really building that set of living relationships with us to get the job done. Now, a third step that you can take in building culture is to use organizational conversations about culture to underscore its importance and to make change. Now, this is what I did in this task force I've already been telling you about, and that is we spent time in that task force having organizational conversations about culture. We also had these conversations by having employees participate in focus groups, by sending out some surveys, by otherwise gathering information uh, to help people understand what it means to have uh, conversations about culture. Now, the fact that you even raise these issues with employees goes a long way toward creating the kind of culture that you want to have. Because by raising these questions, you create a, 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 a culture of inclusion, a culture of conversation, and a culture in which people are able to take risks and still find themselves in warm relationship with others and still aligned with and aiming toward fulfilling the vision that's been articulated. So we're going to do these three things, articulate the aspiration of your culture, talk about not just your vision and how you want to accomplish it, but, but also talk about the culture that you're going to uh, develop to support the fulfillment of the vision, and then select leaders who align with that culture, not just can they accomplish the vision, can they lead us where we need to go, but can they do that by interfacing with our culture, meaning that they join our set of living relationships in such a way that they make a positive contribution. And then third, use organizational conversations about culture to underscore the changes and the kinds of things you want to do to build culture. And then finally, and last, reinforce the culture through organizational design. That means that you structure your facility to support your culture. You, you structure your compensation to support your culture. You structure your dress code to support your culture. You decide, here's our vision that we're trying to accomplish. Here's the culture we aspire to create, and we're hiring people to fit. And we're encouraging conversation about being effective. In the context of all of that, now we're going to put in some organizational design to strengthen the effort, meaning we're going to shape where we sit, how we have lunch, what kind of clothes we wear, uh, how we work together to be compensated, and how we gather for uh, six, uh, how we celebrate successes, and all other aspects of what we do, so that we're making sure that we reward behavior that's not only committed to fulfilling our vision, but also behavior that represents creating the kind of culture we need to accomplish the vision of our organization. Well, vision, it's important. Man, is it important to know where you're going and how you plan to get there. 
But culture, culture is essential to creating the kind of work environment, the kind of teammanship, the kind of coming together that's required to effectively fulfill the vision the organization has. With a great vision and no culture, you'll never go anywhere. With great culture, but no vision, you'll have a good time, but again, no progress will be made. But if you can articulate clear vision and support that with engaging relationships expressed as a dynamic culture, then the best of both worlds will mean real progress for your church organization. It's a challenge to do both of these things, vision and culture, and do them well. I know you can do it as you lead on.